GodzillaMedia.com. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. The GameZilla Podcast. Is this the end of our civilization? Prepare for gaming domination. The mightiest monster of them all. Grimlock the Dynam 9, GameZilla. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studios, producer, the Deadite Knight. I'm actually coming to you live from inside a car. (laughs) 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 Oh no, we ran over a raccoon. (laughs) Yeah, we're back. Episode 267 of the GameZilla Podcast. If you're going to do that, I'm doing it too. Here we go. Well, you know, considering this is a beverage that was left in the 90 degree, degree sun on your porch and I cooled them down yesterday. Don't tell everybody that I did that. Jeez. All right. It, it's Coors Light. It tastes the same. <laughs> uh, you could yeah. boil it and then, and then cool it down and still taste the same. Also, I just want to point out the fact that it didn't just sit out there yesterday. It was a full week of sitting in the 90 degree sun. A full week. Full week. All right, welcome to the Games Little Podcast. We are back in the studio after our uh, our car ride episode that uh, some of you appreciated and some of you didn't, but here we are. Hopefully uh, you're happier with the sound quality, and we're going to go back to our normal uh, routine here. So let's just uh, start off by thanking our patrons. All right, thank you so much to our supporters at patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. If you're not a patron, go there. Start your patronage today. Every single dollar uh, goes towards our growth and life of GameZilla Media. It's not free running a podcast network, and your contribution helps keeps, uh, keep us available and free for you in places like Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, and, of course, our website, GameZillaMedia.com. And, uh, you know, you can... V- Get special perks at the one dollar level, like voting on the news topics here on the GameZilla podcast. Or if you if you donate five dollars a month, that gets you to the exclusive content level. You want to listen to the Legend of Retro Game Shark, where I sit down with the Glitch and Craig WK and talk about our collection of video game manuals. Well, that's available for you on Patreon. You want to listen to the GameZilla podcast pre-show right there? Listen to the audio of it. It's available for you exclusive content level. Patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. A lot of other cool perks available for you there. If you're wondering, just because it happened just now, if you're wondering how maybe you can help us out and you don't use Patreon.com, every Monday night we when we're in the studio, we are live on Twitch.tv slash GameZilla Media. And just like Beefy Supreme, you can subscribe to us through Twitch. Beefy Supreme, thank you for the Twitch Prime for 13 months. Thank you so much for the support. So those are a couple ways you can you can uh, keep supporting us. All right, we got a show ahead of us that uh, is pretty good. I th- I'm really happy with these with these topics. So let's not waste any time. Let's get in the news. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> we're just back in the studio, guys. We're just we're dusting the rust off. I'm searching the web for the latest gaming news. Searching GameZillaMedia.com. Downloading headlines. What about this monstrous story of yours? Downloading. We got some news. That's right. We're a couple weeks outside of E3, and people are finally reporting interesting news again. So, 
topic number one. We got some exciting news that's dropping like right now. If you're watching this live, it's tomorrow. Right now. If you're if you're listening to this podcast, like like everybody else on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google, wherever it is, Spotify, it's happening right now. And that is Apex Legends Season Two Battle Pass, the season, the the new stuff. It's all dropping July second. Yeah. It's happening. So, with uh, let's not waste any time. We watched the we watched the launch trailer. It looks really cool. Uh, Apex and Re- so respawn your your company that developed this game is it really listening to its players and people were not happy with season one. Season one was boring. The grind for progression was too long, and I mean it killed me where I I actually stopped playing the game just because I'm like eh. I don't really want this stuff, and I'm just I'm just kind of bored of it. I'm just kind of over it right now. Well, season two drop in is uh, they're adding all sorts of content. They took their battle pass for season two, ramped it up with new skins that look way cooler. The you know the new gun looks very interesting in, in its own class, so a new class of weapon. We got a new character. Which we knew about. We knew she was coming. But there's also rumors of a second character that's looming. And actually the cause for this next big thing is the world, the map, is receiving its first ever update. And it is a destruction update where a lot of the places that you're used to going to that looked, you know, well constructed are destroyed. And so seeing things like these giant towers that went in the sky now laying on the ground on fire or or the for or the burnt out force now that have somehow uh, regrown and come back to life we're seeing this just this transition along with some new structures and things like that it is uh it does look very promising and the interesting piece sorry one of the most interesting pieces of it is the introduction of creatures so we've seen some of these wild creatures living off in the water right they're not on the island they're they're off on the water and they're just out there just having a good time you know you see them just kind of chilling are they having a would yeah. you describe it as a good time them just lumbering around in the sea yeah i think it's what they like to do tough to say but something pissed them off and now they're on land and so we're seeing uh not only are we seeing these big like four-legged like what, what are they leviathan like monster I don't know even what the, what I would consider them. They're like giant. They're more of a behemoth than a leviathan. Yeah, behemoth. Yeah, there is a leviathan, I guess, in the game. Is what I, I, I mis- misspoke there. But there are also like these dragons now. They're showing up. Some of them are caged. Some of them are loose. And uh, and we don't know the whole extent to that either. But so that's all going on along with uh, some additions to like when you're flying in you got you got flying emotes which some people are making fun of some people love it and that's just when you're flying in you're actually able to like flip and do all sorts of stuff in the air just another thing to do while you're sitting there having fun waiting to get to the ground I, guess. I do a dabble flying in yeah I'd be like yeah dabbing on you yeah so I'd do it um, this is all hitting uh, July second. We're going to be getting the the new battle pass, which you know is like a ten dollar buy in unless you have saved up all of your uh, credits that you earned through the season one battle pass. Then yeah, you could probably pick up the season two for free. But the uh, it looks really cool. The skins look cool. The weapon skins look good. Um, the the world looks looks interesting, and it really kind of gives you that first sense that like respawn is. 
is evolving this game and, and and trying to tell a little bit of story within it and enough like there's definitely enough here where I'm like, yep, I will be there. I will be there tomorrow when it dro- when I get home. I'm gonna hop on. I'm gonna play this game, assuming I can get on the server. But I don't know. You watch the trailer. What do you think from from a standpoint? You don't really play this game much. What do you think? Yeah, Apex is a game that I've, I think is cool. You know, it's just battle royals aren't really my thing. So the couple times I've played with you, I, I've had a good time. Um, and you know, I will say that. What was presented here in this in this battle pass looks really cool. I I think you know if I saw you were on and you text me and said we need a third, I'd probably hop in and play, just because uh you know the change in the environment does look fun. It does look like it's gonna add an element of danger with those uh, beasts crawling around. It's it's good to see a game that uh, has you know what's it been out now six months. It came out in what February. Yeah, so we're we're yeah. near six months of the game being out, yeah. and now we're seeing a, a little bit of its evolution and the way it's changing and growing, and it's following uh, you know some of the steps that the Fortnite has done. But Fortnite never once changed in a way that was in any way enticing to me. We're watching this hype trailer. I was like, oh, that actually looks really cool. I at least want to drop in once or twice and explore this world. Yeah, and they are talking about the uh, introduction of large-scale monsters to the map, including the massive Leviathan beasts that roam in the water outside the island's edges. So I guess they are calling them Leviathans. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so the um, that's really cool. The um, th- the attacker, the some of, so at first you think, oh, this destruction is by the monsters, which I mean, part of it could be, but they're saying that the uh, the culprit behind the attack is a character named Crypto. Which is believed to be the next legend to enter uh, the game, also in season two. So they're actually going to mm. give you two characters in season two. Uh, we only got the one character in season one. So the, uh, it's interesting. The trailer is out there live. It's a couple minutes. Again, uh, response done a good job with their hype trailers. This one's very good. It's got me. It's got me excited. The. Um, it also, like I said, the trailer reveals new skins that look more detailed. The mid-air emotes is what they're calling them. Um, and then uh, all the all-new weapon with a unique category, which kind of looked to me like a, a machine gun, like a like mid-range machine gun, which when I think of the, of the weapon selection in the game, you know, I guess I would probably put it close to the, um, oh, my goodness. I forgot the name of it. Darn. Uh, anyways, there's a submachine gun in the game already that I like, and I can't remember the name of it. That's how long it's been since I played. But anyways, it does kind of fit in there. I'm curious as to why it's its own category, and maybe it has some sort of secondary feature or it's doing something unique. I haven't uh, researched the, the gun itself enough. If, if they've even let that news out or if it's leaked out, I don't know. So, But yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited for this. It really looks like they've listened to to the fan base and they are taking this seriously because I think we saw Apex launch so successfully and actually um, catch Fortnite and pass it for a while as far as player base and, and popularity on streaming services and all that stuff. And then it faded and it faded fast. And we were like, oh, wow, that was just a that was it. It was just a short period. And now Fortnite's back and, and we're done. And I'm not saying this will be that resurgence that brings those numbers back, but I think it keeps Apex healthy, and, and it will bring some of those numbers back. Um, I like Apex a lot. I like it more than Fortnite, and so this makes me happy. This makes me want to play the game again, and that's that's the key uh, to 
to what they're doing here in season two. All right. Topic number two, and that is going to be Microsoft, uh, you know, came out at E3 and they started talking about Project Scarlet. They, they hit that road they, they hit that message at the end of their e3 presentation and everybody was excited we didn't get we didn't get the details that we wanted but we did notice something that ended up happening that is just starting to be talked about now and that is just project Scarlet got announced when we were covering this say a couple months ago and the rumors had started to swirl there was the talks of two systems. You know, there was sort of the rumor that there was going to be one that was more like a streaming box and another one that's more of a premium system. Maybe one of them would be driveless. The other one would have the disk drive. And, right. you know, there was a lot of assumption and guessing going around, but we were looking at what we thought was going to be the launch of two uh, congruent platforms. Well, we were gonna, you were going to get that that more powerful, you know, and which was codenamed Anaconda uh, system that was going to be like the, the replacement for the X Xbox One X. And then you were going to get that S-style console that maybe, like you said, had no disk drive, and its code name at the time was Lockhart. And these were like leaked leaked code names. These weren't just made, rumors made up. So what happened, though, over those months since that rumor is that xCloud and Google stepping in and Amazon stepping up and all these companies that started to push their whole cloud infrastructure kind of changed like Microsoft looked at it and go you know what we aren't going to do two consoles we're going to do one and we're going to take those resources of what we were doing with Lockhart and we're going to build X X Cloud. and I think the other piece to be talked about here is that we heard at E3 something about xCloud that we didn't know and that was the whole uh, console streaming so we had that ability where you're going to be able to take your Xbox and turn it into an xCloud server for free as long as you have, own an Xbox. And so when you start to look at that, you go, all right, well, if it's just acting as a streaming box and all the guts of whatever the, the Scarlet, the, the next generation of Xbox is happening on a server blade, it does, as long as this box at home is capable of connecting, which I would hope an Xbox One could, considering... Google's doing it with a controller and a Chromecast. That, to me, tells me you don't need Lockhart. You don't need this, like, watered-down version of a system. You just need a Roku. You just need you need a little box that's going to sync you to xCloud. Well, they already have that in the infrastructure of everybody that owns an Xbox One. So this is interesting. It's not, like, crazy news, but I think you're going to see one SKU come out next holiday, uh, holiday 2020. For the Project Scarlet, which ends up being called whatever. We don't know yet. But uh, that second one isn't going to happen. It's going to be more or less that they've already laid that groundwork at E3 about, hey, do you own an Xbox? Keep it. And that's interesting because I don't think we can really sit back and look at a company that's, that leveraged their, like their, their last-gen hardware in a, any way like this. No, and it's a really interesting business model to think like, hey, instead of putting this uh, entry-level system out there on the market, what if we can continue to sell the Xbox One platform and have it be capable of next-generation gaming? So, you know, the, the cost of that hardware is already greatly reduced from when the system launched. We've already seen that, you know, as price drop and as they come out with the S, which is, you know, it's a better system for less money. So think about in a, in a year and a half, 
how much it's going to actually cost them to sell an Xbox One X. And, and maybe at that point it is a $150 system. And, you know, they can sell those services, their xCloud streaming service. And for anyone that wants to buy in, have the latest and greatest, because that's what Phil really talked about, is they were about hardware. The Xbox Scarlet is going to be about impressive hardware. So there are going to be gamers that are enticed and, and want to have that horsepower, but they're going to be able to leverage their past generation into um, moving it forward. It, it's always the opposite. You're always looking at the next generation being backwards compatible, but we're seeing something that's unprecedented in gaming where we may potentially see a past generation that is now being made to be forward compatible. And I think we've talked about it now, and it's starting to make even more sense to me now, is that this recent Xbox One S that they released that has no drive mm-hmm. very well could be Lockhart. And the idea is that why, why, you know, a lot of thought was this thing's too expensive. Why'd they release this so late in the life cycle? You know, things like that. And it's like, well, what if this box is really the box moving in the next gen that this is the, that's the box? And what happens when it when I mean this is gonna this is might be a little aggressive, but what happens when it's ninety nine bucks? Yeah, a ninety nine dollar Xbox One S driveless that just syncs up. You turn it, you convert it into an X Cloud blade, and then boom, there you go. You have X Cloud. What that there it is, and and they've already talked about um, backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility of some of these controllers and things. So you're starting to see almost like a blend, which is interesting to me, where. You know, yes, we're probably going to see a new controller, but I don't think it's going to be much different when you just announced an Elite version 2 controller. So, like, you ha- like we're talking that you have less than a year and a half shelf life left on the Xbox One. We're going to be seeing whatever the controller for the Xbox Scarlet is by this time next year. Yeah. We will at least know what it looks but like. But I can't imagine that the version 2 of the Elite, which I believe drops, like, in this November... You know, it's later on. So now you're talking about, yeah, $180 controller that you've that you've spent time engineering and adapting for a year, of a of a on the tail end too. So your dec- all your numbers are declining when this happens, and you're gonna put that type of work into that controller that's not gonna work on next gen. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing this weird blend that Microsoft's doing that no one else has done before. Am I correct that the standard Xbox One controller, does it still use 2.4 gigahertz where this new, the new Elite 2 uses Bluetooth, right? So the Elite 2's Bluetooth, the original Elite is not. Okay. Some of the newer standard control Xbox controllers are Bluetooth. Okay, but again, that's yeah. still showing that perhaps they're preparing these controllers yeah. to be compatible with the next generation. Exactly, exactly. So, Which that'd be really cool to me. I, that always bummed me out. You go to the... Uh, Wii and Wii U did it, but I didn't buy a Wii U, but like it was... Always something that's like, man, it'd be nice to be able to use the hundreds of dollars worth of controllers I bought right. last generation. And and you're right, we and we you that I was gonna bring that up that there that there was some blending there, but it wasn't. It's not the same. Like this is more or less like they're trying to leverage the power they have versus uh, Nintendo. I, I I think just being a little lost in, in their de- development of the Wii U and trying to trying to keep like motion controls around where. Uh, but with but without reinventing them and causing everyone to have to buy into them, um, so I mean, yes, it's kind of the same. But this this is a little bit different. Where I I've never seen like we didn't take the Wii the, the system of the Wii and implement it into the Wii U. You know, like there was still a different system. There was a different box you bought. Yes, the accessories worked, but here we're talking. I think 
either the lock cart is already out and we're staring you can go buy it right now or they axed it and said we already have what we need in our in our you know um our clientele and so we're we're good let's just not confuse people with an extra skew that's not necessary so and that's important that's important in the video game industry when it comes to hardware is not having uh, a complicated product line because i th- i think as simple as Nintendo likes to keep it, if you look at the history of Nintendo handhelds, especially the 3DS, man, <laughs> they did a bad job naming them. They were rolling out too many models. It, it really did get confusing for people that weren't um, a little bit more tuned into what's happening in the video game industry. So I, I and, and I think that happened a little bit with the 360 also. Yeah, the three 360 definitely, but the but you're right, the DS like. You had the you had the 3DS, then you had the 3DS XL, then you had the new 3DS XL, yeah. then you had the then you had the 2DS, but then you had the like the new 2DS XL, like where the original 2DS was not a not a clamshell. Like, yeah, you're right. When you when a parent went in, oh god, I felt I, I would feel bad for them as far as what they were supposed to do. But I, I've intervened at large retail stores when the people there have been asking like the employees at these large stores questions and they don't know i'm like not to be rude i know a lot about video games i'm happy to answer your questions if that's okay with this person that works here and they usually yeah give me one of those and (laughs) go at it kid you know and then i can explain to these parents what's going on so you don't want the xbox to fall into that yeah nintendo's done that quite a bit like i thought it was annoying with the wii u you had the white model that only had eight gigs of memory, but then like the black model had thirty-two gigs. But then like you go into a store and like, well, you want the white or black one? They're like, oh, we want the white one. They're like, oh, well, that one's have much, as much memory as the black one. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you just have two color options that both had same memory like options? I, I don't know. Nintendo always makes weird some weird decisions. They they've been good. With the Switch. As because far they as, haven't released any new models yet. That's true. You're right. But right now they're good. So we can say that they're good right now <laughs> until like the uh, the new Nintendo Switch comes out and it's the instead of the pro Nintendo Switch. But anyways, um, this is very interesting. I'm excited to see. Obviously, Xbox has rolled out here. They 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 had a really good E3 for me. And um, this news is, is real. I, I like this news because... I was slightly concerned that they were going to come out with this multi-platform aspect, and I just haven't ever seen a launch system do well with it. When you think about, like, everybody wants the Xbox 360 that came with the hard drive. Nobody wanted the basic model that had no hard drive. Like, it just, you know, like, I don't... I don't think it's necessary. Like in this day and age, people want the PS5. People want the new Xbox. Just make a here's your skew, here's your option, run with it. But the smart thing now is, oh, you can't afford a five hundred dollar system. No problem. Do you own an Xbox One? Oh, you do. Cool. You have XCloud. And if you want to upgrade down the road, you can. You know, type deal. All right, topic number three. We're gonna move over to PlayStation because this has been some. Uh, this was an interesting topic that that just uh, just popped up today, uh, and that is that Sony is considering studio acquisitions ahead of the PS5. So um, they were talking to uh, Gametsu and the Sony Interactive Entertainment president and CEO Jim Ryan said that the content is more important than ever. In order to secure more content, the company is considering the merger and acquisition of game developers. Uh, the thought 
comes to Sony as it observes new companies entering the industry. So they're worried about Google with Stadia, uh, with the Stadia streaming platform. They're worried about xCloud, and obviously they're just worried about Xbox taking the stage every time they can and saying, we bought seven more companies. Here's seven more people joining the, joining the Xbox studio. Uh, and so, yeah, I think this is it's time for Sony to step up, and they have some of the best teams in the world already you know they they have naughty dog they have santa monica they have you know they have these teams in place that really um are doing some amazing things uh gorilla and so building on that i think is key because we haven't really you know think about the last company that playstation announced as far as a developer that you were like oh wow i like that's new I, I like i can't i i i look at playstation and i love playstation because of what they have I look at Xbox and I go, "Ooh, I'm excited to see what these what they just got these guys. I'm excited, you know, what they're going to do." And so, I think Xbox has made that that wave of like new exciting IPs that are coming out of these companies they're picking up, and Sony has just been dominating by saying, "Here's God of War. Here's um, you know, The Last of Us Part 2. You know, here's Horizon Zero Dawn, which was a new IP, but these are the guys that did Killzone. You know, they they had this established, but but and they've done a good job with indie, and then they've missed that middle ground. That's where I feel like PlayStation has missed. If they can fix that and bring in some new fresh ideas with smaller companies that maybe aren't indie, they're just they're just trying to get their first project out or something. I think then you have that full window that PlayStation has really never had. They were the indie guys when they started. They became the big boys, and and then they not then they like dominated, but they but they brought an indie, but they never had that middle ground that uh, some that PC Xbox, uh, you know that we've seen out of those two, and th- this is a smart move from them. They don't go on to say like who they're thinking about picking up or anything like that. They're just they have acknowledged publicly that they are actively looking to prepare for the PS5, which I think is super smart. So <clears throat> if we think back 20 years ago, it was all about the the hardware race, how uh, how many bits are in your system? Can your system do blast processing? You know, like th- th- that was the race. And we've slowly seen it move more and more to a race of who has the better software. You know, you can the technical specs always end up being so close, it's so minuscule. Uh, in this day and age. And this really is, this is the race right now. Who has the most talented people making their video games? Who has a stable of companies underneath them to support them the best? And Microsoft has made those aggressive moves, as we mentioned over the last two years, to acquire talented teams to make video games for them. And Sony, yeah, they're looking around going, Ooh, okay, Google's in the game now. Amazon's getting in the game. Microsoft's uh, been going hard for a couple of years. They've they've made a lot of strides. What can we do? Because maybe strongest hardware or best technology isn't what we're going to be able to do with all these other big players. What can we do to stay on top or stay relevant? We can we can acquire gaming studios to continue our exclusive library to be strong because that's been Sony's strength for two generations now. So that's yeah. that's the race that's the, we're seeing. It's an arms race of talent now, which is awesome for the gaming industry. Yeah, and you can also bring some of these teams in. And yes, they can have their own projects, but you can also leverage the ability to have these teams help with 
you know, your God of Wars, your Last of Us and stuff, and maybe speed up a little bit of your of your development cycle because you have a you know, a, a bigger workforce. Yeah. I mean, we've seen things like Division Two, which has been you know um, rated very high for one of your loot shoot open world loot shooters, and you had like four or five teams working on that just to make sure it could get done in time. So that ability is something that they don't really have uh, right currently that they could set themselves up for. Um, I mean, if you could pick, like, so here's the question. You know, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. I think it's very good for them. I like that they were public about it. But let's just, uh, let's just theoretically, let's let's do a little little question here of if you had to pick one company for them to acquire, who would it be? I have two off the top of my head that I'm pretty sure neither of them exclusive to Sony, but they're so associated with Sony. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Insomniac. Insomniac's a good one. I mean, they're already doing Spider-Man. They've done the Ratchet and Clank. You know they so yeah I they're, mean, they're close to exclusive but having them because yeah. they're not exclusive they're right? not they're not technically exclusive you're right yeah so. so that would be one they already have a great relationship with pull pull them in make, make it an official exclusive because Insomniac did uh, Sunset Overdrive yeah so yeah you're on, right on the Xbox and they've done a couple that have been out there but yeah you're right primarily they work with PlayStation that would be a really good pickup. Um, Man, you want one that I think would be crazy if you could somehow grab it. I don't know how you would do it. There, there's been definitely some friendship with it over time, and because of their recent success, it's even more hard. It's harder now, but I think at one point it would have been easier by Capcom. <laughs> lock in Monster Hunter for you. Yeah. You got lock in Mega Man, lock in these things. I mean, think of the IPs that you would gain just by that purchase alone. That that would be that would be a game changing buy, especially be, you know, if Resident Evil. Depending on what they could leverage with that with that back catalog, that historic catalog of great games, you know, <laughs> hey, it was cool getting those Street Fighter collections on the Switch. They won't be coming there anymore. You know, like really locking that stuff down yeah. and be like, oh, you like Street Fighter? You have to play on PlayStation. Yeah, it's a super tough sell now. I think a lot of people listening to the show are like, you're stupid, Graham. Like, that, that that's that's impossible. But it wasn't that long ago that Capcom was actually shopping themselves a little bit. Absolutely. And Capcom so, struggled greatly before yeah. Street Fighter Four. Yeah, you had the street, and, and, and honestly, it was like Monster Hunter World was a huge turnaround for them. Resident Evil 7 was a rebound for that mm-hmm. franchise. So you had a lot that, that helped them spin around and have a, one of the, or the most successful year, uh, fiscal year ever for Capcom. So right now, yes, it would be extremely hard, to, but you're Sony. So again, I say it's extremely hard. In this world, though, you would be one of the companies that could do it. Yeah. And, and I'm and here's the thing, maybe it's a merger. You know, not a, maybe you don't have to straight out buy them. You know, maybe maybe there is some sort of deal that you could maybe just acquire some of it or or whatever, work your way into that Capcom world, um, which again they've dabbled with in the past. So, but all right, well that is uh, that is that the third topic. We need to move into our Patreon topic of the week. Uh, every week you can go to GameZilla, or sorry, patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia, and you can vote on a topic that we're going to talk about here on the show as one of your perks that you get for being a patron. Uh, this week, our winner is Dr. Disrespect. But not really. I guess he's not a winner, right? We're just going to talk about this guy. 
So if you all have been paying attention, we just said E3 wrapped up and, you know, um, a lot of great things came out of E3, but Dr. Disrespect ended up getting himself banned off of Twitch. And let's back it up a second. If you don't know who Dr. Disrespect is, let's start with that. He is one of the most popular streamers on Twitch today. You know, he's not one of your best gamers per se. He's just, he's a personality. He's funny. He's, you know, there's, there's, there's a high level of production put into his streams and he's really built himself a following that, uh, you know, people love. He's had some, some rough situations where he left Twitch and ended up coming back after there was a potential, you know, an affair and, and you know stuff with his wife and stuff like that. And he's he's rebounded and come back. So you know, good for him figuring it all out. Then he went to E3 this year, and he was live streaming the show, and for some reason he decided to stream inside of a public bathroom. Well, that breaks a lot of rules when it comes to Twitch, but also just when you think about a public bathroom, there are plenty of people in that bathroom, including children, that are doing stuff that you should probably not have a camera around. Yeah, you know, uh, I like to make outlandish claims and I like to usually argue against things like that. But you really don't want cameras in the mix when there's children using yeah. the bathroom. It's just, it's a bad that's, idea. Uh, that's pretty inappropriate. Yeah. Just a really <laughs> bad idea. Even so, I can't get on board with that. So, anyways, he made he made a mistake. Uh, the, the, it sounds like he went in and out of the, the bathroom, so there was multiple attempts. And long story short, he got banned. Twitch banned him. We didn't, and there was the, no clarification on how long he was going to be banned. There was that potential of just Doctor Disrespect is going to leave Twitch and go to Mixer or something. He's going to he's going to change platforms, and and what the what was going to happen in the world of streaming because of it. Uh, but now we're finding out that uh, you know the, that the ban is being lifted and, and that he's going to be coming back to Twitch, and it has created a just a large argument in the internet of you know people that are happy because they're because the guy they like watching stream is coming back, and then the people that are just pissed off because this can really just muddies the water completely. And what we're talking about is Twitch's like got like rule set and guidelines, all this stuff is so confusing to begin with as far as what's allowed, what's not allowed, what's a booby streamer, what's you know, what's just what's someone that's attractive that's just streaming video games. All all these things are so just kind of gray area. And what this basically proves is that you can go out and do something that is considered horribly wrong when it comes to Twitch, but because you're Dr. Disrespect, you're just going to get a slap on the wrist a couple weeks and now you're back. And it, it, I guess it just kind of leads me to this is that as a platform like Twitch and this, you know, like we could talk about Dr. Disrespect. We could talk about what he did was wrong. We all know that that that's already done. Okay. You don't get banned like this because you did something right. So it was wrong. It was bad. I don't think we need to get into that per se. What I want to talk about is Twitch. As a business model, this company relies on these few individuals to honestly survive. Mm -hmm. And the, when I looked at it this way, I realized, yes, Twitch let this guy back because they almost have to. If people like him and Tim the Tatman and Ninja and stuff like that, if something, if they went away, 
Twitch has grown so much because of them. If they went away and someone didn't fill that spot, what would happen to Twitch? What would happen? I mean, Amazon's not going anywhere, but it would it would hurt Amazon. And so I don't like this feeling that Dr. Disrespect sat back, did something really wrong, and was basically like, yeah, don't worry about it. They need me. They can't let me go. I'm indispensable. You know, and that's and I'm not saying he said those words. Okay, not saying he, I'm not quoting him, but that's this is that this is kind of that image that Twitch is putting out there to others because they have to have their top guys. Well, I mean, the truth of the fact that it is a business, and in life, if you are successful enough, you get away with things. That's the unfortunate truth of the world we live in. We don't live in a perfect world where when people do things wrong, the ultimate punishment or a just punishment falls down upon them. Uh, he's slightly above the rules in this situation. Now, I, I, I got to start with, I'm not a Di Dr. Disrespect fan, so it's not like I'm coming to his defense as someone who honestly cares at all about him, but because I didn't watch the stream, and I'm, I'm not really sure, I would imagine this was just something he didn't think through. And, and, real, and then later at the fact, you point out like, hey, there could have been kids in the bathroom or that's an invasion of other people's privacy. Oh, yeah, I guess that is true. My first thought is, I don't know, streaming from the bathroom. That's kind of funny because I like poop jokes. So it, it's tough. It's tough because you want to sit there and go, OK, he probably wasn't trying to do anything malicious or hurt people, but he very well may have done things that affected people's privacy. So the question is level of intent. How does his uh, does his intent meet his punishment well and this is the problem right is that one of the major issues they're having is that twitch isn't transparent with certain personalities uh in which they receive a specific suspension length while another person who does something similar may see a different punishment altogether and that's the problem is that if I, if and i'm not saying if i rolled if i streamed live in in a bathroom and Dr. Disrespect did, I might be perma-banned where Dr. Disrespect gets a two-week ban and he's free. And part of that is, like, I mean, we can look at the world and, and see things like this happen all the time as far as, like, oh, well, you get your hand slapped and you're on your way. Oh, you're going to jail for four years. You know, like, for the same thing. And it, it just it comes down to who's, who's viewing the case, who's judging the person, you know, all, all these things. So, but... Dr. Disrespect going in there and doing this thing is like, you're right. Maybe he had a, a brain fart. But my problem with that is that you're Dr. Disrespect. You're, you're arguably one of the top streamers for a long period of time that makes millions. You make a lot of money. You have a lot of people around you. You have a production team around you. Someone had to look at this and go, flag, red flag, this is a bad idea. Where was that person? And if you didn't have that person in place, you better now. See, that, that's the thing. It, it'd be way easier for me to imagine you and I go to E3 and then there's no, there's no one else with us. And I'm yeah. like, I'm live streaming. Like, I'm going to go live stream while I take a piss because I'm stupid. But <laughs> you right, would but think, people would pay on Patreon for that. That's all I'm saying. I'm sure they would get that money flowing. Um, you would think, again, one of the most popular streamers in the world who, yeah, you're right. He has to have a team of people around him. 
it is surprising that there wasn't someone with the sense to be like, whoa, man, do we really need to broadcast people in the bathroom over our stream with, you know, thousands of people watching? Like, that's probably a bad idea. So I think it's easy to have your creative juices flowing and think like, oh, this would be funny. But it also is important when you need to protect yourself as a as a business, as a talent, to have someone around you to let you know when something would be a bad idea. Because I can really get carried away with thinking things are funny to find out, no, they were hurtful or mean or extreme it, it's it's actually easy to do so yeah and they are actually saying that children were present in these yeah bathrooms. and you know realistically this cat probably should have walked in saw those kids turn killed his stream and walked right out and realized whoa that was a bad idea because again you shouldn't be ever recording children in a bathroom yeah and so in the end of it all he received a 14 day ban how much money do you think he lose in 14 days? I bet so, you lose a lot. Yeah, to give you an example, he has over 3.2 million followers, and he has 20,000 paid subscribers. So just from the standpoint of the subscribers and that, like, yeah, you're there's some substantial money that you could be losing when you think about, well, when I'm on every day, I generate how much in bits, how much in donations, how much, like, right? Uh, a subscriber is a subscriber, so who knows what after he pulled that, what his count fluctu yeah. fluctuated. But on a daily basis, I don't even know what they generate, but you can watch them for a small period of time and see how much money rolls through just in that um, that small window. Okay, now you t now you have 14 days of that. Yeah, it probably was a good chunk of money. D did it phase him? I don't know. Ha like where, you know, and and... The community just going, well, it, it's Dr. Disrespect. So we just assumed that, um, you know, honestly, we assumed that he'd be back sooner than, than he was and that, that Twitch will just sweep it under the rug and, and, and move on. And that's – this is an example of – Twitch is still young, okay? Like mm -hmm. the, the streaming world is still young. And this is just an example of a, of a business model and infrastructure that – when things like this happen, they I think from Dr. Disrespect all the way to Twitch, there's a lot of people going like, oh, shit, what do we do? And, you know, to, unfortunately, this was handled almost like Twitch was saying there's no real consequence here. Slap on the hands, move on. And again, I guess, you know, as Dr. Disrespect has never shown, I mean, marital affairs and stuff like that alone, aside, he's never shown that he's like purposely trying to do things like this to embarrass people or or like uh has has a weird fetish around children or anything like there's nothing revolving around him like that so this it, it like wasn't a said, perverse act yeah like you said this could be that that just complete brain fart and go and then when he got banned and when it all went down he probably looked at it and was like wow that was incredibly dumb and then he had to sit there and wait you know and i'm sh and, and there was i'm not sure. I know there was conversations with Twitch and 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 him, and 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 there was plenty of communication as to, you know, I really messed up. That wasn't you know I didn't think about it. What whatever happened there, we'll never know perfectly. But I can imagine there was plenty of conversation of trying to uh, put that fire out the best that they could. But I just to me I think. Twitch needs to have a more this proves yet again that Twitch needs to have a more structured penalty 
understanding of what's going on. You know, you do this, it's 90 days. I don't care who you are. You want to go to Mixer? Yeah, I can't stop you, but it's 90 days. And I know that I know there's that fear that then he leaves, he goes to Mixer, he never comes back, and it, co- it costs the company money. But you also have to have a level of like respect for yourself, and 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 just and your company needs to be needs to mean something. Because I think if you took this stand, and Doctor Disrespect left, yes, his, some of his followers are going to go with him, of course. But I think some of you, some people respect Twitch for making that decision and protecting children. And they stick and, and they just find someone new to watch on Twitch. Also, I, I don't watch Dr. Disrespect a ton. I have. But if he left, I would still watch Twitch. You know, like there's still other people I would watch. It's, it's not going to make me just just completely look at Twitch and say you're dead to me. And that's, uh, you know, that's the other thing that I just think they need to have a better structure. They need to be better at communicating that out to its fan base, its streaming base, everything. Because right now it does feel very, you know, wild, wild west out there. People are going to do things and then we don't, we'll just, we're just going to roll some dice. And depending on what we roll, we'll, we'll figure out your punishment or we'll figure out what's going to happen to you. It's interesting we're talking about this being an issue with Twitch, which is a, entertainment platform that we're plugged into and we're currently using uh, to broadcast this show live and how there's controversy around uh, ambiguity when it comes to rules and punishment. Uh, And isn't it really interesting that you and I are both fans of something that's even bigger than Twitch, that this is an issue every single fall when an NFL player commits some sort of crime and then they get a two-game suspension while another player who did a similar thing got an eight-game suspension. It's an issue I think we have um, just here in in media and as a culture. It seems like there's a lack of standardization when it comes to punishment and a lot of that does revolve around star power. I mean, you could be a quarterback for a football team in Boston and get caught cheating, and uh, you know you, you just miss a couple games because you're really great at football. Yeah, I think the and and you're right that that never paints a good message when when we see these things and they make their comeback and stuff. And it's but I think the difference here that that bugs people and is that when he comes back. When he relaunches, it's going to be like a party. It's going to be bigger. He'll be bigger for his two-week ban yeah. than he was if it, nothing would have happened. And so, like because of like because of that fourteen-day punishment, he gets re- he's rewarded, and that's and I don't know. I again because because people are paying paying him. It's not Twitch paying him a salary like the NFL team would be paying that yeah. player. It, it's impossible to control that. Like people are going to throw money at him if they want to throw money at him, and it, it's weird. But that's the tough part is that he'll come back, you know, triumphant in in his Twitch return, and you know, be more controversial and everything, and just and just you know, be the bad boy of Twitch. That's that's his persona. Is he's a bad boy. You know, and I mean, I don't know that that part of me it bugs me that that's what we're dealing with here, and I and I don't have an answer for it. But Twitch needs to really like you're the largest streaming structure in the world now, as far as as far as this live streaming goes, and you are run by and, and you're also owned by Amazon. Like I mean, the power there, the money there, the structure. You got to come up with something. You got to put some people in place that can actually manage this 
And, uh, you know, here we are still watching dumb stuff like this happen. So I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. That's, uh, that is that is our news. But topics like this, hop in the Discord. GameslowMedia.com. Click on the Discord button right on the homepage. And let's, uh, let's keep the conversations going in the Discord. Talk with gamers from around the world every day for free. The GameZilla Media Discord. Well. That's our attack on the news. So um, we're going to move into uh, the Zilla update. Oh, hell yeah. Also, it was the R99. It was the gun from Apex. Oh, cool. Yeah. I needed to know that, so I'm really glad you I know told you me. need to know that. I know a lot of people <laughs> wanted to know it, and I saw it in the Twitch I saw it in the Twitch chat. Someone actually listed off like a bunch of the machine uh, submachine guns for me. All right. But yeah, they reminded me of the R99. Anyways. Zilla update. So, I'm going to go first. Of course you are. Yeah, because I want to. And the first time ever. <laughs> it's going to be tied to something that I would never thought would ever come out of your mouth. So, not to not to spoil any, any fun for anyone else that uh, hosts a show here, but this is going to give you a little forecast into the future of The Legend of Retro. Oh, okay. Never mind. I was going to say something different, but go ahead. So I don't really like playing video games on my cell phone. I don't often find them very fun. I get bored of them very quickly. Um, and you might even say you hate them. I, I don't. Distaste. I have a distaste for playing games on my phone. And this is where I will spoil this. So it, I apologize to the Legend of Retro crew if they wanted to keep this under wraps. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tease uh, the Gamezilla audience here so they they can look forward to something to listen to. Someone from that organization said spoil it. Okay, someone said to spoil it. Yeah, you got uh, you got the approval. I was invited yesterday to record an episode of Legend of Retro, as the guys often invite me on when they know they're going to talk about a game that I like. I was invited to. Join them for a conversation about what is a top five video game of all time in the life of the Dead Eye Night. We talked about Roller Coaster Tycoon, the so, original. So that'll be coming up on an episode of Legend of Retro. I sit down with Craig WK and the Glitch, and we have a little chat about Roller Coaster Tycoon. While we are recording it, I remembered hey, I paid like $6 like two years ago to have Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic, which is a mobile port of the first two games combined. And I just kept it on a tablet, an Android tablet that I had, because I knew that if I ever put it on my phone, it could ruin my life. Well, while I was recording that show with, with Glitch and Craig, I was like, oh, let me put that on my phone. Just, you know, why not? Why not get in the spirit of the show? Sure enough, I download it. Didn't really do anything with it uh, the day of the recording. Earlier today, we're on our lunch break. We get done playing our Rocket League, and we have five more minutes left in lunch. I was like, you know what? Let me uh, let me start working on a little uh, roller coaster park. Um, and then I proceeded to completely beat the first scenario, the first level, and start the second one. And uh, the whole prep of the show today was grim, working on prepping the show, and me just playing Roller Coaster Tycoon and nodding and going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's amazing I've had anything to say this entire yeah, show. Yeah, it kept throwing me off because of the uh, constant, like, crowd noise that the game <laughs> creates. It's just this ambient noise. And I'm like, I remember when I first came down to the studio, I was like, what What are you watching? And I'm lo- I sit down and I look at your screen and you're watching, like, I think it was, like, the Apex trailer or something. And I'm like, 
wait, that's the sound coming out of that ape? And then I realized, and then you grabbed your phone and it moved. And I was like, oh, oh, it's Roller Coaster Tycoon. So, so the weirdest thing happened to me. When I fired it up, I, I built like two rides there in that first park. It's the first park from the first Roller Coaster Tycoon game. And I start building and like I felt an actual like high. Like yeah. I felt a rush so, of excitement. Like my whole body, it was legitimate. I can only describe it as a high. So I experienced this. Uh, I watched this happen. You mentioned that you had it on your phone. And I was like, oh, on your phone, the original? And you're like, yeah. And you stood up and you launched the, you launched the game at work. And you're like holding it, and the park is blank. It just has a little strip. And I watched you put in like a spiral slide. Yeah. And you changed. <laughs> I did. You changed. Right there, I was like, oh no, what did I do? Because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, really? It's on your phone? You're like, yeah, let me show you. You hadn't necessarily like, you weren't necessarily going to launch it until that moment. And you launched it, and you dropped that one thing, just one. And you were like, ooh piece of candy it was just like it instantly was just like i need i need to i need to build another thing i gotta add one more thing i think i asked you are my pu pupils dilated <laughs> yeah like you know like yeah. when you see something you like and you're just you're, yeah and i because like i could feel it it <laughs> was it was a legitimate rush i'm like oh it, it, yeah it was i swear Not this has to be what drug addicts feel like <laughs> like i it's been so long it's like oh man i've stayed away and i'm like oh hello darkness my old friend yeah and this it's is roller coaster tycoon <laughs> and this is how i knew that you were gone is that you were at first were like yeah see here's the uh the ground and like then then you just you can bring in bring in something and then you're like and how do i how do i bring that in oh yep yep that's how i do it and then you're like and i just twist it and i twist it <laughs> and rotate it and then before I knew it, you weren't even talking to yeah, me anymore. I forgot you, you were, were there. Planning, you were building your park. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave now. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And close the door behind you. And you just kept going. I, was, I left you there with your phone on in your in your office. I, I, I knew this was dangerous because- This so wasn't lunchtime, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, at that point, I had kind of, I, I really had to be like, I need to put this down. I almost had to turn my phone completely off. I was like, I have work to do. I am busy. I can't even like know this is on my phone. Um, <laughs> Too late. I-, I I had taken a oh man, summer of 2010 was the last time I hardcore played on a PC because I was unemployed, living at my parents' house. I was like, oh, roller coaster tycoon. I don't have a job. This is perfect. And I I took like five years off after that. And then one day I got the itch <laughs> and I didn't have a PC and I bought roller coaster tycoon on the original Xbox. No big deal. First day playing it, it's like 10:45 at night. And uh, I'm just going. And I was like, oh, I just got a little bit more to play. And then I looked down at my phone. And it's 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I was like, oh, I've ruined my life again. And it's it's about to happen to me. I'm not going to sleep at all tonight. I'm just going to be up all night till my phone dies playing Roller Coaster Tycoon. You'll have it plugged in because you'll be at home. It'll never die. It'll never die. I'll never be away from me. I'll never die. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. Well, that's a hard one to, uh, to live up to. But I, I did pick up a new game over the weekend. I was feeling... Uh, I was feeling a little under the weather, and so my wife went out to shop, and she came home with a surprise, and she gifted me Super Mario Maker 2. So I uh, picked it up for the Nintendo Switch, and well, she picked it up for me for the Nintendo Switch. So you know, I just I wasn't feeling great. I was laying on the couch, and I just grabbed my Switch out of my work bag and popped the cartridge in and lost kind of like kind of like roller coaster tycoon i hadn't played mario maker since the 3ds so since before the switch came out 
we were very heavy into the 3DS version where we would just make a level, make levels that were really trolling each other. And then we would sit down at lunch and make each other try the levels and, and, you know, slowly our friendship would decay. And so I haven't played since then. I did play a bit on the Wii U back in the day too, but I didn't, Wii U didn't have that friend. You know, I didn't have a lot of people that had a Wii U. So I was playing by myself most of the time. So I get into this one. It has a, a revamp story mode. Like I'll play the story mode just a little bit before I go start building, and the story mode is really cool. the The concept is is you kind of have to rebuild some, uh, a structure, and so you need currency to do that. So you're going through all these levels to generate currency so that you can build stuff. Cool. I played until my switch died. Like I was just on the couch, and my switch di- my switch was down to one percent. And this is what I did. Again, not feeling well. I was just gonna lay on the couch all day. I got up. Found where my dock was, couldn't find a power, couldn't find a, a power cord for the dock. Figured that out, hooked it all up to the TV, sat back down and kept playing. And I'm like 65% now completing the story, and just hooked. Haven't even gone to the building side of it yet. Just been playing the story, going through all these unique levels that Nintendo has built uh, for the story. And yeah, I mean, Mario Maker 2 is great. If you enjoyed the first Mario Maker, this is just like a huge upgrade to the first one Dude, I'm on a, the I'm, switch i'm scared man i'm scared and the one thing i kept th- kept looking at this game and just being really impressed by was the the color palette like the saturation that the little handheld monitor uh screen was producing for this mario game i was just like man the reds and the greens like everything just pops and looked great and i'm just like playing this game i put it on so then i put it on the dock and i'm playing on my hgtv and i'm like damn this looks good and then you know playing these unique levels and just having a blast so i know we already have a bunch of friends that have picked it up and they're already making levels so i'm already about to jump in this world that's even better than before because now it's not just deadite and grim torturing each other now there's (laughs) multiple people torturing everybody so um but even just seeing what some of the uh, levels that our community people in our community have made already uh from craig wk and uh and, and sasha and them all all doing uh metrics all doing these uh levels have been super cool and then so then i get to work and i'm talking to invalid about about the game i'm like man it's really cool he's like he goes oh yeah chase picked it up uh over you know over the weekend and he built a level for me to play and he goes and he goes it was so cool and so like this was the first time that uh, you know that Braden got to experience Mario Maker but he also got to play a level that his son made which is really cool and so when he starts playing this he's like yes you start on this level and then like you go through this pipe and then you land on a car and then the car drives and you like run over 15 goombas and then it shoots you up this tornado air thing into a completely different area of the world he goes and i just stopped and looked at my son and was like how did you even think to make this? And, you know, and Chase just looked at him and goes, I don't know, I was just building and this is what what came out of my head. And so, like, that's the thing about Mario Maker, and I'm sure some people, like, with Minecraft and stuff, any type of sandbox building game. Like a Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> roller Coaster, yeah, Roller Coaster Tycoon, um, <laughs> Little Big Planet, yeah. early, little, early years of Little Big Planet, is that that was something that you was always interesting with those types of games where you would play them and 
you would think about a video game and you would look at it differently than any other video game you've ever played because you're actually paying attention to how mechanics work and how you can bend the rules or break the rules to do things that you would have never thought you could do with that item. And it kind of reminds me of Breath of the Wild in a way of how people figured out things in Breath of the Wild to do lot crazy things, including some of these speed runs that we're seeing. Um, and yeah, Mario Maker is just a really good version of, of enjoying that aspect of gaming. So if you're into that, it's a, it's a must-own. So here's my problem. Yeah, you can't I'm, get I'm it right playing now. Roller Coaster Tycoon on my phone. <laughs> I have Stardew Valley on my Switch. I have I have Jurassic World Evolution on my PlayStation, Ooh, yeah, and I'm still playing Rocket League every single day, basically with you. Um, so I have three sandbox-ish games, like Sim games, plus Rocket League, which takes up a lot of my time. Uh, if I bought Mario Maker. I just don't know how it would function because I love Mario Maker so much. And last time when uh, you got me that copy for 3DS for my for Christmas, it's all I played till the Switch came out. It just took over my my gaming life yeah. for three months. It no, was, it did. It's, we, it's an incredible game. Yeah, it was interesting too because like I enjoyed the game. And I I had obviously played it on the Wii U, but it wasn't until I bought you a copy that like it changed the way we were gaming in the sense that yeah, we would what we would. Uh, we would hang out at lunch and play 3DS, but we weren't necessarily playing games together. Yeah, we, so yeah, we we would just all kind of get together and play whatever we yeah. were playing, you know, because Sasha was with us and we all had 3DS at the time because it was pre-Switch launch. Yeah, and you bought you know you bought me a copy of Mario Maker for Christmas, and then it was like, wasn't it the first time I handed you like, hey, play this? Yeah, it was like. The next day, you're like, oh, yeah, I stopped by Worst Purchase after work and got my own copy. You play this now. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, instantly, it was months on end. Every day, we'd be coming in, just giving each other brutal courses. And our yeah. only rule was we had to have beaten it first. Yeah, that was it. You had to have completed the, the course. And, like, it's funny is that I remember, like, that how how like impactful these levels were. I remember the levels. Like, yeah. I remember some of them that, that were just obnoxious but also hilarious at the same you know because of it and so uh i'm looking forward to it because what i've seen in mario maker 2 so far is the stuff that nintendo has made you know for the story the added mechanics and the added layers that you can do to some of this stuff if you really start to spend time building this you can really build some cool some cool things and I think it's I think these are the types of games that are really cool to get in the hands of kids that have that just wild imagination that you know think way outside the box and also start maybe pushing them towards development down the road maybe they get interested in game development or or just software development things mm -hmm. like that it's not just a game it's it's a tool because the thinking process that goes into it is a very useful skill yeah so there you go that, that was my gaming moment of the week I, i'm i'm actually gonna go upstairs and probably play that more once we're done with the with the podcast so you're probably just gonna shut the lights out on me here in the studio and i'm gonna sit here and play uh roller coaster tycoon and then you'll just drive me to work in the morning very good deal i'll just be we'll just stay down here together <laughs> i'll just grab the switch and come back down <sighs> all right well those are uh, our gaming moments we always like to hear what you guys are up to if you're making Mar mario maker 2 levels right now on the switch then make sure to hop in the discord start sharing your friend codes out start sharing your level level codes out you know i will check them out as and many other people would love to uh, to try out your levels so um join the discord gameslowmedia.com right on that homepage. 
What else we got? Anything? We got a lot of great shows. Like I mentioned, Legend of Retro Podcast. They cover uh, classic gaming. And uh, stay tuned. I will be featured on an upcoming episode. And, uh, you know. We really need to get you a horn that's like the... um we have a local radio station here, 97.1. Yeah, they play the sirens. The sirens mm. for when people call themselves out all the time. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'll be featured here soon. And then you just, you know, hit that. Hit yeah, that. I, well, I could uh, I could just, you know, I'm so great. I'm on all these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that works, too. That works, Just make too. a fart sound. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, Legend of Retro, they, their uh, last week's episode was about uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. So uh, go ahead and subscribe to the Legend of Retro podcast. Of course, there's Noobs and Dragons. It is our storytelling Dungeons and Dragons podcast where Craig WK is the Dungeon Master. And you guys are getting near Endgame, aren't you? We're, yeah, we are... Uh we're there. <laughs> we're there. Um, so, you know, we're all excited as season one to, to be to, to come to a closure and hopefully, um, you know, get this story, this this mystery that, that's been building up for a lot of episodes here. And so many people have enjoyed it. So we're excited to wrap that up. And then I'm excited for Craig WK to start breaking out some details about uh, what's going to happen with noobs after this because yeah. I, I know but i can't talk about it or i might like lose my soul to craig and i don't want to do that because i like my soul so you know i'm just saying there's some really cool stuff already in the works uh last action podcast our movie our action movie podcast hosted uh one of the games that love media network uh they did avengers that dropped uh today if you're watching us live or yesterday if you're listening on itunes uh it's a it's a good show so hang out with lpj hovercraft joe and sphinx speaking of that show i thought there was something really interesting that one of the fans brought up that they got talked about on one of the recent episodes which was the matrix episode mm -hmm. and that was that do you think the matrix is a or do you think Terminator is a prequel to The Matrix is actually something they talked about on the show and it caused one of our fans uh, Sean uh, out in California Flack 2.0 um, he, he actually did like a little he does daily blogs on, on his personal page and so he talked about that in his blog um, because he really thought like he thought it was a super interesting concept and so I stepped back I was like man that is actually kind of interesting when you blend those two together that it is very yeah. much that case of we lose to Skynet and then Skynet turns into the Matrix and here we are because um, we are in the Matrix right now. This podcast isn't real. That's what they want. You know, the it's, food, it's probably true. The water you're drinking is not real. Okay, but anyways. <laughs> I got nothing for <laughs> it's you. It's a good life. It's a good life. I'm okay with it. But uh, yeah, so... I just thought that was cool and, and seeing it come from a fan, you know, it, it, our, our interaction here, our, our small community is very um, fun, interactive and just a good community. So, and, and they're doing a great job with those shows. Yeah. And don't forget about Noiseland Arcade, our Simpsons ah, podcast. Simpsons. Greatest <laughs> television show ever made. Noiseland Arcade. Available. And all, all the shows are available. Uh, GameZillaMedia.com and everywhere that you listen to the GameZilla podcast. Tell your friends. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, don't forget about YouTube. Okay. We got, we got content. Craig WK, uh, highlights of this show, all sorts of stuff going on in YouTube. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And of course, the streaming world, right? We got streamers here that are streaming on Facebook, they're streaming on Twitch, 
but you know, follow people like Craig WK, Matrix on Stage, Spidey 2KX, Grim the Dino. We're all out there streaming when we're not making podcasts, uh, having fun and uh, showing off games, interacting with people, teaching you new things about video games. It, it, there's all sorts of stuff. You know, just it's a good time. We're all just friendly people looking to have fun. So come check out the streams. You'll have a good time. Anything else? And la- last but not least, we've mentioned it several times, we have a Discord community. If you're not familiar with Discord, it is a chat platform where you can go and link up with gamers from all around the world. If you go to gamesillamedia.com, we have an easy link there to get your Discord account linked up and active in our chats. One last announcement, because we can make it official um, for, our, for our local our local fan base. We have been invited back to Vintage Video Games. Uh, at the Michigan Science Center in Detroit. So we will Hell be yeah. attending that July 15th. Is that what I said? I'm, 25th? Is it the 20th? Is it late? Uh, I thought it was the 20th. I don't think it's the 20th. Oh, maybe it is. Anyways, I'll con- <laughs> we'll confirm the date. But, w- but we did get invited to, uh, yeah, you know what? I think you are right because it's right before I, I head up north. So anyways, July 25th, July 15th, July it's in July. How about that? But we did get invited back. We are going to uh, set up a booth. We're going to do some live shows. We're going to have some gaming zones. We'll probably uh, bring some swag. And uh, I'm going to be working with a couple members in the community. I have another idea of what we could maybe do that has never been done at Vintage Video Games by anybody that I kn- anybody that I know. So July 25th. Downtown Detroit. Thank you. July 25th, 6 to 9 p.m., Michigan Science Center. We'll be there. Come come on in, have some drinks, play some video games, stop by our area, and, uh, you know, have a good time. So every time we've been there, it's been, it's been amazing. So we're excited to get invited back. And that'll be, uh, that'll be happening. And then the following month is when we head off to Seattle. So, but... That's, uh, that's all I got for you for episode 267 of the Games Little Podcast. Thank you for hanging out. Remember, if you're following, if you're not following us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Media, click that follow button. And if you have Amazon Prime, you get a free subscription every month. Consider using that on GameZilla. Help us, support us. And if you can't do that, there's always Patreon, right? is patreon.com slash games of the media uh patronage starts at one dollar a month exclusive content available you five dollars per month go ahead and start your patronage today and support your favorite gamers all right we are your elite free dlc for all your gaming news and until next time game, game on, on.